What is going on? Well, hello there. Is this Professor Banks? Uh, you're a go for Professor Bankenstein. Bankenstein, you say? Hmm. <laughs> well, it's really Professor Bankenstein's monster. I don't want to get in the weeds on it, but... <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, jolly good show, Cap. Do you get it? Because Bankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein. I don't know. A lot of people don't know this, but it's actually not the monster. Is not Frankenstein. Is not. I know. I know it. I know. You don't know. Let me let me explain it because everybody needs to know this. It's not Professor Frankenstein. It's not Frankenstein. Is the monster? Is the the professor? Is the monster? Okay, we're good. Dude, it has been crazy week. Tell you what. What's the word on the street, Nico? I don't even know, man. I haven't, I haven't been on the street. The world I've is. Off, I've been laying low. I know. I heard you got sick, huh? Yeah, I got COVID. Ooh. I, was, I was more sicker while I was at work than I have been since I've been off. That's good. That's good. Get it out of the way and then take a nice, sweet couple days and just lay around. Mm. Yeah, today was was my first day starting the new route. Uh, I mm. wasn't even there. That's right. You Okay, so today was supposed to be your first day on one. Yep. Oh, what a great, what an auspicious way to start the rest of your life, Nico. Right, right. Poor guy. And they, uh, they postponed that thing again. What thing? The Rex, they postponed it again for another two weeks. Oh, good for them. Yep. They better keep postponing it until, until the end of times. (laughs) So, Yeah. That's pretty much all I've been doing this week. But, uh... I miss the post office so much. Really? Already? Oh, my God, dude. You don't believe... You can't believe it. I... I've just been pacing around back and forth, wondering how everything is doing, wondering if all the mail is getting delivered. <sighs> yeah, but now you're... You're Professor... You're Professor Banks, man. Well, I got my... My professoriate. My doctor... My, um doctorate my phd and so yeah the, the pupils will be calling me professor bank um i think yeah so for now on everyone you refer to him as professor that's right not mister not sir i didn't not- spend 10 years in college and grad school for you to call me mr bank <laughs> That's right. Professor. That's what it is. Doctor. I like doctor better. All right. Dr. Bankenstein is pretty cool. I'll take that. I think professor is more like, that's like British, you know? Yeah. I don't feel very professorial. I'm not going to lie to you. I got, I got major imposter syndrome, dude. I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> nine tenths out of the time, if not more. 
Oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You know what you're doing. You do that shit every day. You don't know that. Yeah, but I've never handled actual people before. Eh, you just tell them. You say, shit, sit down, shut up. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy that tells him to sit down and shut up. I want to be cool. I want to be the guy that everybody calls, hey, teach. And then just like, I turn my, my seat around, you know, so that like the, so, so I got to like straddle it. And then just like, you know, like go out in the, um, in the quad during break and everybody's like, hey, teach is here. And then I'm like, I'm like, yeah, who wants a cigarette? And then I like, we're just everybody's sharing cigarettes. That's what I want to yeah. be. Okay. That's a good dream. You know? I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll last uh, at least a couple days that way. I want the worst kid in the whole entire school to come up to me and go, hey, Professor Bank, I'm not doing your homework. And I'll say, all right, you know what, Timmy? You don't do that homework. Why don't you... No, you say, you don't, you don't call me professor, you call me Dr. Bank. Oh, right. I've, yeah, we're already, we're already past the professor shit. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to tell that kid, hey, don't do your homework. What do I care? What do I care? You just I'll give you a hundred. I'll give you a hundred. You come here, I'll get I'm gonna give you a cigarette. Now sit down and smoke this, you little tyke. Little I shouldn't be saying this on the mic though, because it's all a matter of public record. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, I'm gonna be a good teacher. No, no, we're just kidding around. But hey, guess what? What? This is almost canon. Oh snip. The podcast where we talk about weird stuff. The podcast where we talk about weird stuff. Ooh, could that be our tagline? Sure. Awesome. I'm Nico. He's my co. I mean, this is my co-host. He is now Professor Doctor Bankenstein. Hello, Nico, and thank you for that um, amazing and thorough introduction of my own person. Yes, hello. I am Bank hey. Roberts, and I'm here at the studio. Nico's calling in because, as we discussed, the poor. The poor lad has uh, is down with the cove, so we're mm. keeping it remote this week. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. No, I haven't really. I, I had like one coughing fit, uh, and that was about it. I'll tell you what, man. The last day of my life that I was ever sharing that space at the post office with you, you look pretty sick, dude. That I. I was surprised nobody called the post office on me because I'm pretty sure I was sleeping at mailboxes. Wow. Yeah. Well, like I'm surprised. I stopped and then I just like nod out. I'm surprised that nobody from the um, none of your fellow carriers called the post office on you because you were saying things like, "I hope all the rest of you get infected for making me be here today." <laughs> and even Bruce was like, "Ooh, easy, easy, kiddo." <laughs> Yeah, but we James know got, we know that you James got us. it. Wait, what? But uh, James got sick. I heard he got COVID. I thought COVID was eradicated in Vermont, but it shows what I know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I blame it on uh, on Mr. B. He's the one who started it. Who's Mr. B? Yeah, number two. Oh, Brian. Hey, 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 hey. I was hey. trying to go secret code words, but... You didn't have to say anything else. I didn't even... I was already in the middle of going like, oh, and then you said it. Oh, oh okay, okay. I'm not going to edit that, though. 
God knows he doesn't listen to this shit. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I just got a quick little, we got a quick little episode for you guys today. Well, I'm excited. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, we're going back to back to our roots, you know, our roots where we began. Yeah, this is like the good old days when it was just me and you talking some stuff about whatever. No prof- no experts, no professionals. Yeah, no experts. I mean, you're an expert. No. I'm certainly not. I'm an expert. You're the professional. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to lean more into my role as, like, the skeptic, and I'm just going to call BS on you, son, every time. <laughs> I want to be like the Brad of this Brad and Eddie duo. <laughs> okay. By the way, big shout out to Brad and Eddie from Green Mountain Detect Metal Detecting. They were a blast to have on last week. Yeah, that was really cool. Good app. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised they came after after they had that run with that crazy dude, you know? Nick, I already had to edit that stuff out of the last episode. Let's. Well, we, we won't talk about it. We'll just leave it at that. You know, okay, I was surprised okay. they came, you know? Yeah, no, I know. That's the, it. Seems like they really are. They mess with some forces that are. Um, I don't know, a little scary. Yeah, but, but hey, uh, coming on this podcast—that's a way to get yourself out of the uh, danger zone, you know. As far as all the metaphysical crazy stuff. Oh shit! You want to know what else? You want to know something else? What, dude? So I was, I was, uh, I was posting the episode on a couple of Facebook pages. You know, trying to get the word out, okay. and uh, I got kicked off of one of them for doing it. Mother what? effort. I don't know. They just totally booted me off the page. Like they banned I, you? I, yeah, like I had posted a bunch of episodes before. Oh, no. I don't know. Now I got to find a new uh, a new way to start And they didn't the even, word. they didn't even give you any warning or anything? No. What the heck, you know? What? I know. Ugh. But, uh, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll get, let's get into this. Let's get in. Real quick, before we oh. start, I got to supplement my income this summer because I'm going to be, like, on actual summer break. So I want yeah. everybody out there to know that I'm going to be hosting podcasts, but it will be a full-service podcast solution for you and your loved ones, meaning I could be your engineer, or I could take part, or I don't have to do anything. I could just press record and walk away and let you... You have full run of the studio. All my resources are at your disposal. Then you can choose from a variety of packages as far as what I bring to it in terms of editing. I can give you a soundtrack. I can do Foley. Whatever you want. It's going to be a full service studio here at Lonely Highway. And I'm planning on coming up with like an Instagram page, Facebook, anything that is like going to get the word out there. And I have to do that soon. But just want all the fans to know, if you have a podcast... And you're in, oh, let's say 100 miles of Jamaica, Vermont. Then you have access to my studio for a nominal fee. That's right. Lonely Highway Studios. Nice. End of ad. Brought to you by your local podcasters. That's right. All right. You don't watch much TV, do you? TV? It's not even a thing anymore, is it? Well, you know, like uh, streaming services and stuff like that. 
I watch the same shows. I uh, there's too much content out there. I know. Well, there's this one show that came out recently called uh, Yellow Jackets. I, I told you about it, I think. Yeah. See, that's another one where I, if if I could go back and edit my comment about that. But let's not go there. Anyway, Yellow Jackets. Go ahead. Uh, so I'm gonna try not. Just I don't know if you're planning on watching it or or not. In season two right now. What's it on? Apple TV. Spoil. What what is it? Is it Apple TV? What's it on? Oh, it's uh, uh shit. Peacock. I, I forget. Netflix. I watch it on I watch it on Paramount Plus, but it's through. Let's see here. What is it through? I don't know what it's. Through. Oh, it doesn't matter. Just I watch not. it on Paramount Plus though. Okay. Um. Showtime. It's on Showtime. Oh. Showtime original. Nice. But, but it's, like, up there with, like, HBO's, you know, all-time best. So it's, We're talking it's Game of Thrones, Sopranos. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Awesome. And it's definitely, like, oh. top of the charts right now. Oh, wait. So. What? What? Yeah. Like, it's up there. It's really good. I love And uh, okay. there's one thing. I kind of base this whole episode around it. Yeah. Around that show, but we're not going to talk about the show at all until the end. But there's this one thing that keeps popping up that I keep thinking about when I'm watching the show that I haven't heard anybody mention. Oh. And that is the Wendigo. You ever heard of a Wendigo? Yeah, we discussed Wendigos in like episode. <sighs> yeah, we talked about it briefly. A little yep. bit, yeah. So I've been watching the show, man, and it's just I'm just getting major. Wendigo vibe from Yellow Jacket. So, Nico, am I to believe that we're talking Wendigos today? Yeah, we're talking Wendigos. Oh, cool. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the segment with a story. Okay. This is a, a real-life story based on true events. Not, I, I really didn't make anything up, so it's pretty much like an exact telling of what was, you know, reported in the papers, uh, what they found. So it's not like uh, your 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 Hollywood based on true events, you know, story. This is this is this is what happened. Are you ready? It was spring, 1879. 1879. Right. The heavy blanket of snow that had kept the, the settlers of central Alberta snowed in throughout the last three months was finally melting. The thick sheets of ice that had so recently paved the North Saskatchewan River were now breaking up, sending giant chunks of crushing ice down east. So we're in Canada. Okay. Takes place in Canada. Yep. Kind of like, um, I think... Alberta is kind of like central Canada, you know? Yeah. So that's just about where we are right now. Okay. Um, those who had settled deep within the dense forest of what would one day become central Alberta. So we're in the middle of Alberta. We're middle now finally of Alberta. Able, yep. We're finally able to leave their camps and homes what and time head inland. Are we dealing with? What? You got the uh, where now. Give me the when. 1879. 1879. Yeah. So people, they're like, you know, it's springtime. 
these people, they, they, you know, this was back when, when they're, you know, everyone's pretty much like fur trappers. And there's not a lot of people up there. They're all been snowed in all winter. And the snow's finally melting and they're able to, uh, you know, leave their homes and head towards, because back then there were a lot of forts, like, you know, forts everywhere. And that's kind of where, like, the majority of people would, would, would gather. They build their homes around these forts. Um, Why did they have forts? Is it like because they were worried about natives raiding them, or like, what are we talking? I think about? in the beginning, like, so we're talking 1879, but Canada, you know, uh, pioneers had been in. I think they were mostly French. They had been in Canada since like the 1500s. So a lot of these forts were built a long time ago. You know, a hundred years or or prior to this, and they were to protect, you know, what settlers were there from raiding parties or whatever. Okay. Uh, and they they, they kind of over time they would be built up into into towns. Yeah. And now they're they're cities, you know. Gotcha. But, uh, so. So yeah. So these people they're leaving their homes and they're heading inland. You know they're taking their furs and their their. I don't know, whatever they gather throughout the winter, mostly furs, and they're going to bring those furs to, like, we're, we're going to be talking about Fort Saskatchewan, um, and they're going to bring those furs in there and then they trade them in and get money, you know. Uh, one such pioneer was a Cree Indian named Kakai C. Cutchin, also known as Swift Runner. So we're just going to call him Swift Runner. That's how everyone knows him by, um, and it's just way easier to pronounce. And he's friendly. Yeah, for, well, we'll see. Uh, Swift, one, Swift Runner was said to be trustworthy. He was hardworking, and he had been a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. Um, and in between guiding the, the Mounted Police, you know, on their missions, he was also a trapper. And he had taken his family, his wife, their six children, as well as his brother and his mother, into the forest during the fall of 1878. So that, you know, the beginning of the winter. Right. Uh, settlers who were already conducting business within Fort Saskatchewan remember watching Swift Runner stumble his way through the thick doors of the pub. Uh and use what looked like the last of his strength to draw up a seat at the bar. Fur trappers and traders who had known Swift Runner for years, but hadn't seen or heard from him in months, asked where his wife and children were. Swift Runner told the pub's patrons just how harsh this year's winter had been on them. He told anyone who would listen that they suffered most dearly and that every day they remained snowbound within the camp was another day they became weaker and weaker. Swift Runner told the traders around the table that he was the only survivor. He told them that his wife and his children, his dear, dear children, had all starved to death. Oh. And he had been forced to bury them once the ground had thawed. So Swift Runner's family, they all starved to death. Oh, man. And he's on death's door. So he's, you know. Swift Runner is? Yeah. He's, he, uh, 
limped his way towards Saskatchewan on death's door. Damn. Um, that kind of puts it in perspective for me, you know. <laughs> it's like, I, I guess my life isn't that hard. Right? I mean, we really just got to worry about first world problems. We don't right? have to worry about starving to death. <laughs> I know. Throughout the winter. I mean, my, ho- my house is kind of a fort, but only when I build like a pillow fort. <laughs> and that's probably not going to keep out any raiding parties, if you know what I mean. Uh, right away, observant patrons noticed something strange about Swift Runner's tail. He told all that would listen. Wait, he has a tail? Was... Yeah. No. Well, you know his story. Oh, not like a fluffy bunny rabbit. No, tail. not he didn't have a, a furry tail. <laughs> okay, sorry, that was stupid. You know, I wish I had a, a drink in here, but. I'm in my car. I don't have a drink. You better stay uh, hydrated is all I know. You can't be drinking Red Bull while you're sick. Oh, man. I've been yeah. drinking Red Bull. Like, it's going out of style. Uh, you know, this, this is my, this is my, uh, my theory. Oh, boy. You know, like, so a I virus. Know, I already know what you're going to say. A virus is like, they, they want a, a nice, healthy host, you know? Yeah. So if you just, like, you get sick and you just start drinking and smoking all the crazy shit, dude. The virus will just leave. It'll be like, no, nope, not not worth it. Yeah. Let's you find know, right? somebody else. Makes sense. Makes sense. So you know, I've just been pounding down Red Bull. I hate to say this, but that sounds actually really scientifically un... Like, completely... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't argue with that. That sounds good. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. No, I, no, 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 no. Here, that's. that's I don't. Cool. I don't pound down Red Bull at all. Yes, you do. Shh, it's okay. Uh, all right. So right away, observant patrons uh, noted something strange about Swift Runner's tale. He told all who would listen that his family had died of starvation. However, when they looked at Swift Runner, they noticed that he looked extremely well-fed. Someone who nearly starved to death. Going into the winter of 1878, Swift Runner was known to be strong and healthy. He stood well over six feet tall and over 200 pounds. And everyone who knew him, yeah, good old Swifty was definitely tall. Uh, and everyone who knew him knew he was more than capable of keeping himself and his family fed throughout the oncoming winter. Okay, uh, but he was he was really not doing well at this point. Well, they noticed he did not look as though he was starving to death. They, the people at the bar noticed that he was definitely still about 200 pounds, you know? Um, Swift Runner's in-laws questioned... Damn it, Swifty, you thick AF! Uh, citing the fact that Swift Runner looked as though he had gained weight throughout the winter instead of looking as though he had nearly starved. Northwest Mounted Police found this intriguing as well and decided to investigate the Cree man. Oh, no. Did he? At first, what? Did he? Just just listen. He ate his family. At first, Swift Runner had no problem taking the Northwest Mounted Police to his camp but the closer they got, the more quieter Swift Runner became. Swift Runner directed the police 
the undisturbed grave of his oldest son. And as they dug it up, they saw that the boy laid in peace, just as Swiss Runner had said. In peace, you said? Uh, in peace. So he was like, you know, he looks... He looked like he had just died. Not in pieces. <laughs> Not in pieces. Okay. But as the police began to spread out from the grave site, they would find evidence of what really happened. Oh. So this next part is, is quite gruesome. Oh. Uh, going to put a, a trigger warning out there, I guess. You call it. Okay. Definitely gruesome. Ew. So, strewn around Swift, Swift Runner's camp were the bones of his deceased family. And when Inspector, this, this is the guy's name, Inspector Gagnon of the Northwest Mounted Police produced the skull of Swift Runner's wife and questioned him about it, Swift Runner broke down. Oh. The Cree went on to tell the Cree, so that's, you know, I mentioned that earlier, that's the uh, First Nations tribe. Right. Um went on to tell a tale of pure evil. The First Nations trapper told the police how the spirit of a Wendigo came for him in the night. At first it came after Swift Runner in his dreams, demanding that Swift Runner kill and consume those who depended so dearly on him. Then it came as whispers in the night, soothing his restless mind as it spoke to him through the walls of the cabin. Oh. And as, as this continued, Swift Runner slowly lost his mind until he was no more, and the Wendigo had taken his place. Whoa. Swift Runner told the inspector he had ate his wife first. He and ate his wife? Had, yep. And before he had finished, stripping the flesh and sinew from her bones, he had already begun eating his brother and his mother, who he referred to as being tough. Like tough as in like they are hard to eat or like the, the meat was game. Apparently, that was like a quote that whenever he talked about his, his mom, he just I, <laughs> Yummy. He called her tough. Oh, she's tough. <laughs> Ew, uh, I'm triggered. <laughs> Swift Runner told the Northwest Mountain Police that the Wendigo had forced his oldest child to kill and butcher his siblings. Ooh. And in some reports, it said that the Wendigo tortured the youngest child a mere infant, by hanging it from a tent pole by its neck oh, and pulling on its feet, almost as though it was playing a sick, a sick game. Madon. After seeing the gruesome scene, uh, where most bones had even been broken in two and the marrow removed, the mounted police didn't believe Swift Runner. Uh, Swift Runner's family had died of starvation, or that Swift Runner had even killed them out of hunger. They knew it was common knowledge that emergency rations were held at the fort about 30 miles from Swift Runner's camp. Nor did they believe an ancient spirit had possessed the Cree. And after they had collected all the remains and laid, that lay scattered around the campsite, they concluded Swift Runner had just lost his mind and killed and ate his family. Swift Runner would be hung by the neck until dead on December 20th, 1879. His body then burned to ash in the snow outside Fort Saskatchewan. Oh, Swifty. That's the story of Swift Runner. He's probably the most famous 
Wendigo story out there. So he claimed that a Wendigo had possessed him to do this? Yeah. Uh, and why did he bring the police to the, the, the burial site to begin with? I know you said that, but I missed it. I, I, it didn't... Just that he really brought him in there. It seemed, from what I read, it seemed like he... He, uh... He was almost remorseful. Oh. Um, and I guess he wanted to... He tried to trick them, maybe, into, in like... See, here's my son, because he didn't eat his oldest son. His oldest son was, like, helping him, sort of. I don't, it didn't, you know, we'll never know if he was, like, being forced to help him or if he was helping him. But then he killed know, his oldest he, son as well. Just didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, but he, he didn't eat him. Yeah, he, right. So I think he, like, either tried to trick him by, like, see, here's, here's one of my kids. He's fine. Ugh. But they ended up finding the rest of them. Oh, so. my God. Well, the <laughs> Swifty, man. I don't know. It's. So, so he he said he was possessed by a Wendigo. Now, how? Why? What is it? What is that? Yeah. What is we'll a Wendigo? That. What is a Wendigo? What is it? That's a perfect question. Thank you. They don't call yeah. me the second best co-host of podcasts where Dr. they talk Bank. about weird stuff. <laughs> Doctor uh, Bankenstein. So yeah, what is a Wendigo? A yeah. Wendigo is is. <clears throat> Um, it's kind of like we'll get into it a little more. But what is a Wendigo? It's kind. Of, it seems to be an ancient spirit, like an evil spirit of uh, Algonquin speak. So throughout the the northeast of Canada and America, there's a group of Native American Native Americans and First Nations called they they kind of share a language. They, they're the Algonquin speaking. Uh, family group, and it's a bunch of different tribes, like the the Ojibwe, the Cree, um, the Abenaki. Um, they kind of, and there's there's so many more, but they all they all kind of share a, a same language. And throughout those tribes, the Wendigo is considered to be some sort of ancient evil spirit, um, and it can take on a. Uh, a physical form, both a physical form and, you know, like it's, it's evil spiritness. Oh. I'm just looking at some pictures of the Wendigo right now. They seem to have like a humanoid type shape or dog-like. Yeah, so most of, most of the pictures you'll see of a Wendigo online are all like uh, the Hollywood version. The, the actual Wendigo is nothing like that. We'll get we'll get into that too. Oh, baby. So, you know what's so yeah, really weird though, really quick. What? As soon as you started talking about that dude eating his family, I got really hungry, and <laughs> it's even weirder because I just ate food. I like I'm not I wasn't hungry going into this conversation at all. I was like full. Uh oh. Yeah. Just... Maybe you're suffering from some Wendigo psychosis. Ooh, I hope not. Anyway, sorry, I just wanted to point that little... So, yeah, the Algonquin-speaking family group, they, uh... I'm just going to get into some back history here. Okay. They, uh, they share over 30 names for the, you know, the evil Wendigo spirit. There's their names like, uh... The Weetigo, the Winkuka, the Whitaka, um... But the name that, that 
we're most familiar with is, is the Wendigo. So that's pretty much what it all, everyone uses for it. Um, and it's kind of like a physical manifestation of a curse almost, almost uh -huh. like a werewolf. Uh -huh. um, and it's capable of possessing a human being and turning that human into like a starved, flesh-hungry shell of their former self. Wow. So the, the Wendigo, it's said to, to to go after people who are mostly alone, like loners of, of communities, so outliers, or uh, they're also known to isolate members of small groups. Um, and then they can take on, so they'll isolate someone, they'll attack that person, and then the Wendigo is said to take on their, their likeness, yeah. and then slowly you know, kill others throughout the group. Um, they use the desperation one might feel while cold and hungry, trying to survive the harshness of northern winters to their advantage. So the Wendigo, it thrives in the cold, in the winters of the north. That's where you see it. You don't... It's, it's kind of tricky because you would think that other Native American tribes, you know, out west would have, you know, kind of the same story, and they might. I didn't really do any looking into that, but it seems like the Wendigo itself and the idea of the Wendigo really is only something from the northeast. A northern, th a northeastern thing, huh? Yeah. Huh. And I guess it stretches out towards the... Uh, like the plains and the the Great Lakes region, but not over in the northern, the northwestern areas. No, but I mean, you, there's a lot of like modern day stories of the Wendigo that take place out west, or you know, like the Pacific Northwest. But uh, historically speaking, there is, there aren't any. <clears throat> so the the earliest recorded Wendigo encounter by Europeans uh, in Canada, or I guess the New World, I'll just call it the New World, was in 1636 by a Jesuit missionary named Father... Oh, man, I meant, to, I meant to contact you ahead of time. You could pronounce this French name for me. Hit me, baby! Uh, this is where I... What? It's, it's J-E... U-N-E. Jeune. Jeune. It means young. Jeune. Father Lee Jeune. Okay. I don't know, man. Lee Jeune. He's French, okay. though. He's a French man. French Jesuit missionary. And he says, he wrote this down in a, in a letter he was sending back to his his uh, bosses in Paris. That's a huge contribution. Uh, this devilish woman added that the Wendigo had eaten some Atacumacans, and that is a, a tribe that lives north of the river that is called Three Rivers, uh, and that he would eat a great many more of them if he were not called elsewhere. But that at action which is like a cannibalistic spirit of, of Inu lore, so it's, it's like a 
kind of, it's pretty much the same thing as a Wendigo, but they call it something different. Uh, would come in its place to devour them, even up the French fort, that he would slaughter the French themselves. So, kind of hard to, they write so weird, and it's, it's always difficult to, to read what they write, but he's pretty much saying that... Them damn Frenchies, they write so weird! Well, you know, it's like 1636, and... Oh, so like the Fs instead of the Ss, and... It's just that the way they write is different than the way we write now, but... Right. Pretty much saying, like, there was... There was, uh... You know, a Wendigo that was eating some... Some... Uh... Some Native Americans from a tribe a little bit north from where they were... You're and, saying they uh, didn't use idioms like LOL, like LOL, a Wendigo just ate this whole trip. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. I'm having fun. He was just telling, you know, his, I don't know what you want to call him, but whatever church he served in Paris, that there was, like, this devilish creature was eating some Indians, um, you know. And I guess they consider that the first Wendigo sighting by a European. Okay. And the Inu, so he says, see if I can find it really quick. He says, but that action, which is the cannibalistic spirit of, of Inu lore, and the Inu are, are the indigenous people from Labrador and also parts of Quebec. Uh, says, but the action would come in here in his place to devour them, even up to the French fort. That he would slaughter the French themselves. So, I mean, it doesn't make really doesn't really make sense to me. But all right, so that's considered the first uh, recorded Wendigo encounter, okay. 1636. Uh, so yeah, I mentioned that the the Wendigo was like a curse, kind of like a weird, like a werewolf curse. So you know, like you get bit by a werewolf, and you turn into. Um, a werewolf on the full moon or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, the Wendigo, it's it kind of almost the same thing. So, mm. so like, Swift Runner became a Wendigo when the Wendigo was, was you know, kind of hypnotized him or whispered to him, convinced him into turning into a Wendigo. And he remains you know? a Wendigo even after, like, he he filled his, um, you know, he, he I mean, sated his hunger? Uh, and then maybe felt well, remorse about, about it? I don't know about him, but supposedly, I guess, you're supposed to remain a Wendigo until... You did. Until you're dead. Uh, mm. So yeah, you can become a Wendigo by being like bit or attacked by a Wendigo, uh, dreaming of a Wendigo, being hypnotized by, you know, or tricked by a Wendigo. Um, and while you're in the Wendigo hunger, while you have that and you're devouring whatever are you do you keep a memory of it or do you is it just a whole separate being like a, like somebody like a I, werewolf doesn't know what they did on their full moon I have no idea bloodlust yeah just wondering I have no idea that's a good question it's, um, well it just sounded like because this guy Swifty he retained maybe some memory of what he had done when he went to turn himself in right. even though he did it trying to like hide the fact possibly that he had done what he did right anyway right just, just wondering um 
So another way to become a Wendigo, supposedly, is um, being a selfish. Being too selfish or being too greedy, being corrupt, um, and also having to partake in in cannibalism out of net, you know necessity. So like like um, like the Donner Party, how they had to eat right. each other to survive. That could be the doorway to becoming a Wendigo. Right, and Swift Runner, years before he had to eat a uh, a member of a hunt of his hunting party. Damn it, Swifty! So he, I guess he had done it before. Why did he have to do that? He's I don't know. It was just, I guess they were, were stuck in the in the winter and they were starving and damn, he didn't think he was gonna make it. Damn. But um. So the, the Wendigo comes from the, let me see here. Hold on a sec, sorry. Getting distracted. All right. Uh, so I, I mentioned that there was a bunch of names for the Wendigo. So many of them. Pretty much each tribe, you know, in the Northeast and in the plains and the Great Lakes, they kind of all have their own name for the Wendigo. But it seems to originate from this one word called Ween Dago. Ween Dago? Means, yeah, which means solely for self. Oh. Uh, okay. And the idea is if you're throughout the winter, so it's all pretty much the Wendigo lore is kind of based around the harshness of winter, you know? Man, that's and such a trap, to... though. It's, tr- it's it's tricky because, like, how do you avoid a harsh winter if that's where you are, you know? And, and if it's just going to... It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You're in the harsh, cold winter. You need to be maybe possibly going to these lengths to survive. And then you get cursed because of it? It just doesn't seem fair. Well, it's more like... Um, it seems to be more like uh, you have to you know, work together to survive the winter. Uh, and if you're kind of hoarding everything for yourself, you Oh, yeah, selfish. no. Okay, that's a that's a good way to put it. So, so it's kind of based all around that. I see. Um, so you can get into the physical description of a Wendigo. Okay. So yeah, you said I was looking up images online. You said that's some Hollywood BS. Now, what what's the actual appearance? Yeah, so so the the modern interpretation of what you're looking at stems from this guy named Algaron Blackwood. He was like an he was an author, uh, and he wrote this this short story in nineteen in the nineteen forties called The Wendigo. Did you say Alderon? Algaron, yeah. Oh, Algaron with a G. I thought it was Alderon, like a D, because that's the planet that the Empire no. blew up in Star Wars. Sorry. Algaron. Um, in his depiction of the Wendigo, it, it definitely took liberties. Um, he took liberties of his own, and then pretty much since then, Hollywood and, you know, it kind of 
Wendigo eyes, the Wendigo. So they, they, they put the horns on it. They put the, the animalistic features. Um, Hollywood did a lot that? Of people, yeah, a lot of people call it the, the zombie were-deer. A lot of the Wendigo, you know, depictions of the Wendigo that you that you see on the internet would look like a, a zombie weird-deer. Yeah, yeah, I saw some of those. But in, actual, in actuality, the Wendigo... So it's an evil spirit, and it'll get inside of you, and then it kind of, it kind of um, hollows you out, and kind of turns you into a husk of who you who you used to be. Um, I just picture the husk. The yeah, husk of, so it kind of turns you into a husk of your your former self. A lot of times, a hungry. You're, you're so you're so hungry. You're 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 chewing. Off your own lips. Ew. Um, I've been there. I got a, I got a, a description here from this guy named Basil H. Johnston. He's a, an, an Ojibwe author. Uh, he describes the Wendigo in his book, the, the Manitou, the spiritual world of the Ojibwe. And he says, the Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones. With its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets, the Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean, and suffering the Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption. Damn. So, that's the, the non-Hollywoodized version. Yeah, that sounds creepy. We're talking about like a, just like a fresh corpse basically where the skin is all like taut because it started to dry out. Just that, you know, yeah. that classic corpse look of where things are starting to decay, but we're not setting it into full decay yet. Somewhere between fresh, freshly right. dead and, uh, and decaying. Wow. Yeah, that Ooh. makes sense. That's, that's not cool. And, um, not like that. The Algonquin, the, or not the Algonquin, the Abenaki, like around us and the, and, um, I don't know, like, very northeast uh, United States. They consider the Wendigo is more of like an ice giant. Oh. Which is obviously different than that description you just, that you gave just right. a, a little, a few minutes ago. Right. But it's the same, same concept though. Same, yep, same concept. Ooh. I like the idea of the um, ice giant better. That seems more... Right. Name, I have. I, I did read a bunch of stuff about how the Wendigo. Um, a lot of it seems to almost contradict itself, but I read a lot of stuff about how the Wendigo, every time it 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 kills and eats someone, it gets bigger, and it can it can be, you know, twenty, thirty feet tall. And have you like have you ever seen Pet Cemetery, the movie? No. But I do know. Oh. Rachel. 
<laughs> That's yeah. the only thing I know from it. Well, I was going to bring it up at the end, but the Pet Cemetery, uh, Stephen King, he took his, his, his own liberties with the Wendigo, and so the Wendigo kind of like cursed the Pet Cemetery, and that's, that is why when you bury, you know, someone there, they come back to life because they're using the Wendigo's, using its magic to, to bring, you know, whatever is buried there back to life. And in, in, the, in the movie, I don't know about the book, I haven't read the book, but in the movie... The guy's like walking through. He he goes over the deadfall, going to the the cemetery, and the Wendigo is just like sixty feet hot, you know, tall, towering over him, walking through the woods. This is in the movie. Yeah. Oh my god, I have to watch that. It's just like a, a little part. Yeah, but I had no but, idea uh, there was a Wendigo in there. Hmm. It's wild. Yeah. So he he took his own liberties with it. It's it, you know. But, uh, but if we go back to Swifty, and I'm sorry to keep harping on this poor guy, but he didn't grow. He didn't, nothing happened to him. And in fact, he retained his human form for the most part. Right. Or was he just being influenced by a Wendigo, and that's a different kind of scenario? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. He said that. He said that he turned into a Wendigo. He turned into it. Huh. I wonder if if the if the Wendigo can just be can look exactly the same as a human but just ha- just do these awful things like eat your own family and stuff mm-hmm. I know I, I've read I, I pretty much just read that like if you get turned into, into a Wendigo then you're gonna turn into you're gonna look like something crazy you know but you might be able to turn back yeah I don't know man huh. maybe he just went crazy I think he just went crazy okay use the Wendigo as a story as a uh, cover up you know yeah. Um. Let's see what else I got here. All right, so I got I got a little bit of this thing about there was this guy. His name was Jack Fiddler. Okay. And he he was a real life Wendigo hunter, and he was said to have defeated fourteen Wendigos. What? Yeah, he was a chief. And a shaman, <laughs> you'll like this, you'll like this. His name is Jack the, Fiddler? The, yeah, Jack Fiddler of Holy. the Sucker Dudums. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Slow down, Charlie. His name was Jack Fiddler. Sucker, uh, I barely was, even know. Okay, sorry. No. And so these guys, they were located in, in northwest Ontario uh, in so this Jack Fiddler guy supposedly was able to like use magic and spells to protect uh, his tribe, um, and they and they were like the last the last First Nations tribe in, in Canada to, to not kind of like uh, I don't know what you want to call it Christianize. So they they were the the last ones to hold out on all of their original you know First Nation. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Beliefs? Yeah, practices? sure. Yeah, practices. Okay. Um, but the, uh, the the Northwest Mounted Police, you know, they had heard about this Jack Fiddler guy, and they wanted to bring in some, you know, law and order to the area, so they went to Northwest Ontario, and they found Jack, uh, and they pretty much just, they arrested him for murder and pretty much said that he had just murdered 14 people. 
Um, and it, it pretty much turned out that the Wendigos Jack was fighting were, were really just like like sick Native Americans and just like really old Native Americans that they that were afraid that they were going to turn into Wendigos before they died of natural causes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh. so he would just kill them. Oh, like uh, with their consent, kind of thing, or yeah, with, yeah, with their consent. Okay, but he was still arrested, and yeah. uh, I think he like committed suicide. He got away and then committed suicide before, or something like that. And what do you believe? Do you think he was infected by the Wendigo disease, or was he just like acting on his own cognizance? I don't know. It's, I think it would be cool if he was a real Wendigo hunter, but. Wow. And he claimed to have killed how many of them? 13, 14 of them? Yeah, 14. Damn. But why? Uh, so. How could. Yeah. Okay. No, go ahead. So, uh. Everything that I looked at seems pretty. Um. I don't know. Every. It kind of seemed all over the map. You know, it didn't seem like really anybody, there was no one solid thing of what a Wendigo was or what it did, other well, than that it was cannibalistic. It must be hard because it's conflating like, uh, <clears throat> or not conflating, but um, gathering the stories from tribes that are sp- spaced out over thousands of miles, right? And, and kind of trying to apply a definition that fits that mold to all of them. Right. So I can see why it would be a little confusing trying to like find an actual definition of it, but some of the characteristics though it seem to be shared. Right. Um, but what? I, I mean, I, I think that there's probably some truth behind it. I'd like to believe there would be. Well, it's like people want to put. They want. They want there to be a reason why somebody would choose to feed on another human being, right? They're, they have to right. assign some kind of reason to that because otherwise we would all just be a bunch of crazy animals that if, we can, if we're capable of this. So if you, you have to assign, a, you want to assign a spirit to it. So you're like, oh, th- this person has been possessed by a hunger so all-consuming that it forces them to want to <clears throat> eat their fellow humans. Just the yeah, way- Yeah, I mean, I, I thought of that too. Like if it's easier to just eat each other than it is to to go out and hunt right for your food or, or whatever you know yeah then how then how are we how are we separate from the animals from the from the beasts of the earth but at the same time i want to believe that there's truth behind this story um and that there is some sort of ancient curse or some sort of ancient magic out there that that's wandering the you know the frozen, the frozen forests of of Canada and in North America, and you got to watch out for it because it'll get you. Well, it'll I turn mean, you, you, into this you and I have talked monster. about. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's that was all I was gonna say. Well, I mean, you and I have talked about the existence of magic, ancient magic, even like in everyday, all over the all you know, all over America, all over the U.S. and. I don't see why there couldn't be some kind of malevolent spirit that exists, you know, in a specific area in Canada, in the north. Like, the same way we have different, um, you know, fey folk or spirits or things around these parts. 
Why can't that exist? And just be a separate, separate species of faithful. No, I'm sure it does. Like, I really think every, you know, every myth and legend has a grain of truth behind it. I think, I think, I don't know what I think. I think that it is true, at least somewhere down the line. Well, I know that we as humans are always trying to come up with answers for questions that we can never really answer. You know, all this stuff that's out there that's unexplainable. You know, whether God exists or like what is our purpose on the earth and uh, just metaphysical stuff, you know, stuff that we can't see or hear or taste or touch. It's stuff that we have to figure out reasons or we have to give explanations to. So it makes sense that we are open to knowing, to feeling that there are these other forces at work. All right. Last thing I wanted to do. Uh, let's talk about this Yellow Jacket show Ooh. really quick. Lay it on um, me, brother. All right. So in the show, I don't know. Do you plan on watching it at all or not? Uh, I would just try and not spoil it because I might, but but I'm okay if you want to give me like story details and stuff. Alright. So yeah, so they're like on a soccer team, right? And they're going to, to finals somewhere and they gotta fly somewhere. They're, they're from like New Jersey or something. Okay. I think. And they have to fly to like uh, where were they? I don't know. They're going somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. They get in an airplane, they fly, and like there's this big storm, and they have to go around the storm. Somehow, the plane, uh, they, they must have went way off course because the plane crashes in, I believe the, sh it never actually, never says exactly where, but I think one of the, sh in one of the episode details, it said that the plane crashed um, in the wilderness of Ontario. Okay. So... Um, and right from the bat, like, you don't even, you can, you can just, like, watch the trailer, and you already know that they're going to have to eat each other. Like, it's it's not, not what? giving anything away. I didn't know yeah. that. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious from the start, but, uh. I mean, I guess the name Yellow um, Jacket, too, those things will eat anything. <laughs> anything. Uh, and I just haven't seen anyone talk about the Wendigo when they talk about this show. Like, to me, like, they just go one and one. Like, you're, you're crashing in, in the, the Canadian wilderness. Um, you're, these people, they're going to have to cannibalize each other to survive. Right. You know, it's just like, just says, it speaks Wendigo, like, Come on. So you've are, are you all up to date on the show? Like, do you do you know? Yeah. So there has I am. been. What? I am up to date. Yeah. There's no episode. There's no mention of Wendigo or any kind of spirit that would force them into cannibalism or anything. No, and there's like a even like with and I listen to a couple podcasts about you know like recap podcasts and stuff online and you don't see anything. Nobody talks about the Wendigo. There is a question of is there paranormal? There is there no you know is, is the paranormal involved or is it not involved? It's kind of like an open question. Like to me, uh, it's pretty obviously 
obvious that it is. Um, but they haven't broached that subject at all on the show itself? Like, there's no mention of paranormal stuff? Uh, there is a little bit. Like, there's one person who, like, has seen ghosts since they were a kid. But overall, there's, like, some things that could be paranormal, but it also they could also be easily explained away. Um, and it's just, see, it's, they're definitely dealing with some sort of evil spirit. Um, Ooh. For one. So that's, that's connection one, the evil spirit. Uh, and I'll just I'll just skip right to the end, to the newest episode that just came out. It's just one, um, one season that's out so far? There's two seasons. Oh. Um, and they, there's a thing called the Antler Queen. We don't really know who the Antler Queen is oh. or anything, but they just look like a Wendigo. Yeah, like that sounds the, like it. With you a see picture. the picture of them, and mm-hmm. it just looks like a Wendigo. Um, and there was this part in episode five or, or something of season one where they do like a seance, um, and one of the people starts speaking French and she's just saying, it wants your blood, it wants your blood, it wants your blood, like over and over again. Whoa. And they're like, they're like right in the middle of Ojibwe and, and Cree kind of. Uh, territory on the map so they're kind of like dead smack in the middle of Wendigo territory well it sounds to me like they're even if they haven't brought it up like specifically that maybe they're leaving room for that that possible uh, that possibility in the future yeah no it's quite to me it's clearly something to do with like the evil Wendigo spirit and then again you know a lot of times Hollywood, they don't want to touch the subject of, uh, you know, native legends, especially because it, it could come across as insensitive if they're like foisting a bunch of white people into it. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. But that, that's just it, that's just my own read on the way that things are sometimes. But I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. You know, like if we go on further seasons into the show and they do introduce elements of um, maybe native myth or, or local myth. Yeah, I mean, they introduced this strange symbol that's kind of like what, you know, I forget what episode it was, but it, it's been a complete mystery. And I tried to I tried to figure it out, and it looks an awful lot like a uh, sort of mashup of, of like, uh, of Ojibwe uh, alphabet, sort of. There's this guy who kind of, mm-hmm. like, created this Ojibwe alphabet, and it looks like a mashup of... Different or different okay. Uh, letters. Okay then. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you're onto something. I gotta I gotta watch the show. Yeah, I tried to piece it together to say Wendigo, but I, I could I could definitely get a W and an E, but that was about as far as. Whoa, I really? Like from the alphabet that that they showed on the show? Yeah. Huh. They they showed the symbol, and then I found the alphabet online. Oh wow! So you're doing some like treasure hunting of your own. Involving yeah. the, the clues that they may have given. Okay. Well, I'd be surprised, man. If, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you were right. That sounds like uh, you've, you know, you know the, the, about the topic already, and you've even done some extra research to kind of tie these things together. I bet they bring it up. I bet they do. Yeah, I don't know. What about? Have you ever heard of that game called um, 
Until Dawn. The uh, video game that came out two until, years ago. No, I, I I haven't heard of it. Oh, well, that that was like that involved Wendigo. I just wanted to bring that up too. Until it was Dawn. Pretty it was a PlayStation game, I think. Uh, but, uh, those PlayStation exclusives, man, they are just not fair to the rest of the gaming community. <laughs> I'm telling yeah, you, there's so much good content that we don't we don't get access to. Yeah, well, get a PlayStation. I've been playing these Lovecraftian games lately. Like it's called this game called Sunless Sea. Oh my Ooh. god! It's like a, it's like you're playing. It's a lot of reading. You have to read a lot, but it's like you're playing a horror a horror story that is uh, basically you're just sailing around on an ocean that has no sun, and uh, it's really fascinating. It's just it's funny, but also really really scary. Like gripping, gripping your I've been, keyboard. I've been playing that. Uh... I've seen that, and that is available on PC, but I've never, I haven't tried it yet. It's a little bit too fast for me. Games like that are too fast-paced. Definitely reminds me a lot of Assassin's Creed. Oh, really? Yeah. That makes me more interested in it because I love almost exactly the same, but just you're a samurai. Like the same mechanics, like stealth and all that stuff. Yeah. I guess if you're Ghost of Tsushima, then yeah, maybe, huh? Wow, maybe I'll yeah, check that out. Yeah, because you can, like, assassinate people. You sneak up behind people and assassinate them, or... Okay, you know, I got the impression that it was more, like, fast-paced, like, sword play and... and... No, it's like an open world. Whoa, uh, okay. I'm definitely going to check that out now, because that's... <clears throat> I love those. Yeah, it's open world. Well, you know me. I'm totally a sucker for open world. I right? know. I know. I don't like the on-the-rail yeah. shit, Nico. You know this. I know, lame. I know, it's my it's my biggest weakness. What can I say? I also did just play Black Ops 2, and that was pretty good. Ew, nope. You'll never convince me of that. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, that's really all I got for Wendigos. Well, let's, um... Let's call it an episode. We're, we're, we're running in over an hour here, but, um... I'd say let's leave the door open in the future for, for more, um... More studies on the topic. All right, sounds good. And anyway, um, let's just go over the, the basics again for all of our listeners out there. If you have gotten this far and you haven't yet liked and subscribed and reviewed us on any of your favorite platforms, then what are you doing with your life? Go do it now. You love listening to us, so just go freaking do it. Do us a favor. We got another review after last week. That was great. But we need more. We, oh, need, yeah, more. we, need, you, we need each and every one of you to, to just... Do that little thing for us, okay? And we're going to keep on putting out all this content for you. I promise. We're going to keep doing it week after week because we love it. But we need you to help us. So please do. Perfect. That sounds almost canon. Awesome. Well, Nicholas, uh, we're doing good, man. I, um, I'm sorry we ended up doing a late episode this week, but we're gonna we'll stay we'll stay with the flow and we got we got new guests coming on next week or the week after i think the week after okay well we'll, i'll try to stick to the schedule um i should be good to keep on doing on wednesdays at the same time uh with my Uh, new schedule on the third and the tenth we got some pretty major people coming on Ooh, actually um Let's, can you, can you just quickly plug them and I'll just, I'll, I'll take this part and put it in before you said almost canna. All right. Yeah. On, on May 3rd, we have 
this really cool, uh, he's so knowledgeable, this author named Joseph Citro. He's coming on to talk about one of his books. Um, and then I think a couple other things that he wants to discuss. Cool. And then on, um, I believe, May 10th, we have this. Everest Explorer? Yeah, this Explorer. Oh, he's, uh, I can't wait. He's also a... Uh, he does his own filmmaking stuff, um, and he's done. His name's Tom Pollard, and he's done some investigating into this this Mallory and Irvine mystery. It takes place on Mount Everest. It's a crazy, crazy mystery. It's got you know. Oh man, you just got to look into it. I wanted to do an episode of it, but I I figured we'll just have him talk about it. It's, gonna be awesome I'm so, I'm so excited to hear from him that's so cool i can't wait um and that's all coming up in the next couple of weeks so yeah like stay stay tuned everybody we're we're gonna be here bringing bringing new content to you all the time oh yeah all right nico i'll plug that stuff in and um yeah i guess i'll let you go but uh i hope you feel better and tell everybody at the post office that uh I don't miss them. No, don't say that. Just say that um, <laughs> I'm free and uh, and I hope I hope you guys all I don't know keep on delivering that sweet sweet Amazon. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, dude. I'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye.